Hey, well, good morning, Faith Church. Welcome this morning. Thanks for coming out and spending part of your Sunday with us. Uh, We had a great first service. Uh, I actually made it through, didn't get the hiccups. Uh, It went well. Uh, As you can tell, though, we're in week four of our series, Wise Guys, and our senior lead wise guy didn't make it this morning. So I don't know if you guys have seen him. I hadn't seen him. I did check on him. He's out just taking a couple of days just to get recharged. And I don't know if you guys know it, but this, this guy is a hard worker. I mean, he preaches almost 50 out of 52 Sundays here. And I don't know if you've noticed it lately, though. He's kind of been trimming down, spending a lot of, a lot of time in the gym. And uh, he's really been making a lot of transformation. Matter of fact, here's how he looked when I checked on him yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's looking great. Uh, He will be back with us. Uh, He's just an amazing guy. It's really my pleasure to be with you here today. If you happen not to know me, uh, if if you're new here, uh, my name is Ronnie Pogue. I'm one of the pastors here. I've been here on staff for about a year and a half. Uh, Spent 35 years uh, over at Sheffield Utilities in that business. Just a a really great career, but now it's just amazing the doors that God's opened for me to come in. And uh, if I say nothing else today, I just want you guys to know how much I love you and how special you are to all of us here on staff. You really make what we do just an amazing day. So thanks again. So the goal for today is just like the goal for when Pastor Steve or, or Pastor Ryan, anybody's up here today. You know, here's what we want to do. Uh, we want to bring a practical teaching, and when we're here, that you're going to be able to take it out and use it when you get outside these four walls, make it applicable in your daily life. We hope it will create some private disciplines in your life. It's just going to help you along your way. And really, our prayer is it's going to launch you into personal ministry because we are just so much better when you guys are ministering out there, bringing people in, where we can see life change here at Faith Church. So, Pastor wanted me to stay uh, in our series today, Week 4, Wise Guys, a study of the book of Proverbs. He's been talking about wisdom. The key to that is for us to gain knowledge. And wisdom, the definition, is the knowledge and timing to make the best decision possible. You know, it's not just about trying to do the right thing. It's knowing when to do the right thing. So he gave me a word for today. It's called diligence. Everybody say diligence. I I was really excited about that, but when I plugged it into Google, I I, I found out I couldn't spell it. I mean, how many of you know diligence should have two L's in it? Should have two L's. Nobody spells it D-I-L-I. But anyway, I put two L's in there and put it in there, search, nothing came up. But the helper was there to get me through it. So the definition of diligence, what we want to talk about for a few minutes this morning is the persevering determination to perform a task. You know, it's, it's just one thing to have that wisdom. It's a whole nother game to be able to put forth that effort to see that through. So pastor gave me the, the key word diligence. He also gave me some scripture to go by. Uh, We're going to be in Proverbs 6 here in just a moment. And then he told me the last thing he said before he left was, you better bring your A game. No pressure from Pastor Steve because he always brings his A game. So I figured at my age I could always use a little help. 
So I thought about what I'm going to be talking about. I got the top guy I knew to help me out. He looks like this. Now, if you've got kids, you may know who this guy is. His name's Flick. And Flick really wanted to make a big difference in his community, in his neighborhood. He really wanted to be that guy to make a difference. Problem was, it seemed like every time he tried to do a task, he made it worse on himself. So I could really identify with that. It seemed like, you know, I, I felt like, you know, all my life, man, I really knew God wanted me to make a difference. I just could never figure out what it was. It seemed like I would always step on my own feet, get in my own way. So here's what I've learned, though, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about from Proverbs 6. If you're there, we're going to look at uh, verse 6 through verse 11. Go with me. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Now, I thought this was originally written to teenagers, but I knew it was written to me when I was a teenager. You know, I was pretty spoiled, pretty rotten, a mama's boy. So you know you're going to have some lazy bones if mama's taking care of you. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, Ronnie, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. So we look at that scripture and it's it's one thing for me to uh, see a scripture in the word. But it really helps me if I can see it. In action, if I can get a visual of what's really trying to take place here. So I look at these little guys, and with the big guy out, can we just learn a lesson or two from the little guy? I mean, me and Flicks here, we want to uh, provide some lessons for daily living. So, really, when we get out of here, we can really make our lives matter. And the three things I just picked up on real quick about these ants was number one, they had initiative. You know, they had an issue. They didn't have to be told what to do. They just knew to do it. They had attitude. They didn't just go out and work, and they went out to work hard all summer. And not only that, they were aggressive. So, you know ants are aggressive. Do you remember the first time you ever stepped on a little red ant hill? You remember how they tried to take your leg off? So I, I'm working with the utility department there. Well, I've been there about two or three years, and, and uh, we got a gas call. Where people were smelling gas, and so you kind of get in a hurry when they're doing that because you, you, know, you, don't, you don't know what's going on. So I had a guy with me, knew all the ropes. He was there to kind of train me, show me the ropes. And so we're going through a backyard, and I noticed that he stepped on this ant hill. And so I went on up to the meter and started looking around. And next thing I near, I, I hear something that was, man, he was squalling like a panther. And I looked over in, in one of the neighborhood yards and he's stripping his pants down. I mean, these ants are lighting him up. So they are aggressive. And here's why they're aggressive. Because their life, their survival depends on it. So if you've got your bulletin today, I'm going to go ahead and get rid of the fill in the blanks before I forget it. Um, And that could probably happen real quick. But here's what I'm going to tell you. That the greatest opportunities often require the greatest diligence. 
Let me say that again. The greatest opportunity often require our, our greatest diligence. Because here's the thing. There's something in every one of us that wants to make our life matter. But here's the deal. Great doesn't just happen. It comes with diligence, with that persevering effort to make it through. You know, opportunities are there every, every day. But here's what gets in my way. And I want to tell you something. I know that it's probably going to be hard for you to believe. I mean, but I'm naturally a lazy person. I mean, I know you can't see that. I know you think, man, he's a real go-getter. Probably not. But, you know, growing up, you know, I was always uh, uh, chasing a ball, swinging a bat, shooting a hoop, whatever. I, and I always just had to have fun. And, I, and my life was good. I was always a smile, laughing. And what I really love now is when I see you guys in your life, you're smiling, you're laughing, you're excited about every, every daily life. That's what really cranks me up. But everybody knows that uh, you've got to learn some things growing up. And I know some of you... Uh, have probably had to get out of some lazy things. Anybody here uh, in, in Pee Wees or Little League or junior high or high school, anybody have those, any of those crazy coaches out there that were just, you know, all intense and screamers? And Anybody have those guys? You know, they're crazy. I mean, they are crazy. And so I remember when we were going from our 10th grade to our 11th grade years, we had a coaching change, and I lived about two blocks from the high school, and I'd drive by, and I, and I would see some construction going on, so I would cut through, and the coach was out there, and, and I stopped, and I talked to him one day, and I didn't say anything, but it looked like he was building a playground. I thought, man, it's going to be pretty awesome. So I, I come back through and hollered at him again, and um, I looked up, and he had like these monkey bars out there he was building, and these other long bars, you know, that looked like you'd just kind of, kind of, do dips and waddle down in this other little chin-up bar. And I thought, man, this is... I don't know if we're going to have a football team or a gymnastics team. Uh, but anyway, we had our first summer meeting there, and uh, we got together, and uh, he, at the end of that meeting, he asked if anybody had any questions. And so I just asked him, I said, hey, coach, what, what's that playground for? And he said, what's your name? I said, Ronnie Poe. He said, Mr. Poe, you'll, you'll see soon enough. So about a week later, we got everything together. First practice out there in middle of August, I mean burning up. And we went through this two-hour practice. Everybody's about to die. And uh, he blows this whistle, and he said, everybody to the bars. And I thought, uh-oh. And then the next thing I heard was, pretty boy Pogue, right here. <laughs> I-, I didn't know he was talking to me. But I went anyway. So here's the thing that got me, though. He said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you. And here's this guy in his 30s. He jumped up on this thing, and he's not just swinging. He's almost parallel, almost hitting his head on his bars, does these dips, does these chin-ups, comes back, says, you're up. Okay. So I took off, and I, I stayed up there for about two rings. Next thing I know, I am just barely hanging on. Barely hanging on. But man, I gutted out and get through to the end. Next thing I know, one of my buddies is a big old lineman. I thought, this is going to be amazing, watching him. So he gets up there, and he is just barely, you know, trying to make it. And his feet are kind of dragging. He's cheating. But what caught, my, what caught me was, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the coach was just screaming at him. 
And so this guy just started screaming back at him when he was going, ah, and the coach loved it. So the next day when we come out there, I started going through it. I got a little bit better, and here he come, chewing me out, screaming. And when he done that, I just screamed back at him. And man, he loved it. And so here's the thing. From day to day, what I figured out was, you know, if I put forth an attitude that's really going to try to, 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 to please him, let him know I'm here to make a difference. If I put forth an effort, and if I just scream real loud, he's going to think I'm okay. But it just, here's what happened. The attitude and the effort produces diligence. It produces a way to find a way when things get going tough. You know, it kind of gives you a whatever-it-takes mentality for the whenever those tough situations come for you and for me. And when we really have to just dig down deep to find a way to make it happen. And so why does this matter? Well, it matters to us because there's going to come those times. And it matters to us here at Faith Church because I don't know if you've noticed, but our nation and the church in America is changing daily, rapidly. You know, and here's what I figured out. If we're not big enough to change time, then we've really got to be big enough to change with the times. Because I know you guys come in and, and what we see, and like last week, you know, 1,700 people on campus. I mean, we want to be that church that's changing, that's growing, that's making a difference. And yeah, we're probably loud, and you know, we got haze and smoke going. And, uh, but here's what happens. We love the unchurched. And we're going to create an environment where unchurched people can come in and feel like they're not just crazy, weird, sticking out. And we're going to bring opportunities for life change. We're going to create that environment because we are going to change. Now, how many of you know that change is good? Anybody? It's, no, it's not. It's terrible. It's awful. I mean, I get up every morning, I'm changing. I got something new hurting every day I get up. I mean, it messes me up. It gets me out of routine, gets me off schedule. I hate it. But here's, here's the thing. Change is inevitable. And change has the potential to make us better. If we adapt it, if we embrace it, you know, because great doesn't just happen. And the, the requirement for us to be a church, for us to be a people who make life change available, the only requirement is change. You know, the ants, they go out and they work hard every day, just like we do. I'm going to tell you one thing about our pastor, our staff. Man, we, we love reaching people. You know, we're in a time where we look around, we see churches, man, their main thing is just trying to keep people. That's not our focus. Our focus is to reach the unlovable, to reach those who need a second chance, to reach those who just didn't get it right the first time. You know, and as a people and as a church, we want to be leaders. I mean, we've got an area here that's looking at us for leadership. So we're going to be on the cutting edge. We're going to provide change. And yeah, 
It may not be everybody's thing, but it's our thing. And we're going to embrace change. And here's what people and churches really know as leaders. Time is limited. Our time is limited. You know, we just celebrated Mother's Day, Father's Day, and it's a great day. Uh, But for some of us here, you know, my mom passed away over 20 years ago. It's not that great a day for me. My dad passed away six years ago. It's kind of a hard day for me. But I've got to take what they give me in their time, those deposits they made, because I look around, it feels like I'm the only one standing now. It's on me. So I've got to realize, hey, my time's limited. And Jesus taught about that in John chapter 9 when he tells us this. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. Why? Because the night is coming and then no one can work. There's going to come a time when our work's going to be done. So here's the challenge. You know, Paul wrote about it, and, and Paul really is probably, my, besides Jesus himself, my favorite character. Because Paul was this legalistic guy. He, he just thought he knew he had all the right answers. He was brought up well. He persecuted these guys that he knew were going the wrong way. And man, he was tough, but he wasn't, he wasn't doing it the right way. And God just struck him down on this road to Damascus and changed everything about his life. And he didn't get up and he didn't question it. Man, he just started going after God with all he had. All of those years spent doing the wrong thing, he never looked back. He just started doing the right thing from day one. You know, God used him to write two-thirds of the New Testament. And here's what he said about creating opportunity. Ephesians 5, verse 15. So be careful, Paul says, how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The church in America is changing. We've got to make the most of every single opportunity we get. So we come to a couple of questions that we have to answer. And really, there's no wrong answers here. You don't have to answer. But I just thought about it. I remember back in my life, I just felt like God was saying, do I really want to make a difference? And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say I'm not ready. I'm confused about all this Christianity thing. I'm I'm confused about the lights, the sound, the smoke. I don't get it. I'm not ready. I'm not sure. I'm too busy. But here's the reality. Is that we've got one life, one shot. To make it matter. And really we answer this anyway. Every day. But just how we live. And for most. Well maybe not most. Maybe, well, For me. For me. It's against my nature. To really want to give. Because in the culture we're in. We're taught to get. To accumulate. To strive for success. The more you've got the more successful you are. So the key, what was really hard for me was to learn how to give to make it matter. So do I really want to make a difference? For 30 years, I said, absolutely not. You know, and I almost missed out. I almost missed out. 
So when I get up here, you know, I, I don't really try to even try to entertain the thought of trying to get up here and share about what I really know. I usually just want to come from my heart and just tell you what I've learned. And most of the time I get up, I'm after you guys that are needing a second, third, you gals that are needing a fourth, fifth chance, just to know that your life can matter. The problem I had was I never could get out of my own way because I thought I was the way. And we all, I think, deep down want our life to matter. But there comes this place and this time when we have to really determine that to make our life matter, I've got to really figure out and be honest with what really matters in my life. You know, I'll never forget I landed in a, in a drug rehab. I didn't really land there. I was encouraged to go by legal authorities. So I landed in this drug rehab, and I'll never forget it. Uh, man, I went in there, and I was, I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I thought, man, I'm coming in here. I'm getting this thing over, and I'm getting back out where I can just go back and play my game, and, you know, they won't catch me again. So I ended up in this drug rehab, and there's this lady there, toughest lady I ever met. I knew when I walked in there that she didn't like me, and I wasn't going to like her. So we, she came to me after about a week. She said, I just want to tell you one thing. I said, okay, what's that? She said, uh, you don't have what it takes to make this out of this program. I said, what makes you say that? She, just, she, she looked me in the eye and I said, I see them come in here just like you every day. And you don't have what it takes. Because you're in the place you want to be and you're not willing to change and you're going to stay in that place. And I really didn't want to hear that. And I really didn't believe that. She said, the only thing that matters to you is you. And you'll never get out of that place. So I, I didn't think about that very much. I just went on my way. It didn't affect me. And then I look around now and I, I see a new place that I'm amazed to be in. And I realize it's not just about me. That I realize now that every set of eyes I connect with, Jesus died for them. I mean, Jesus died for every set of eyes we encounter. And they're just as important as you or me. And that's fact. So did I want to make a difference? Not then. I surely didn't know how. But the key, if we ever get through question one, if we ever get to door number two, question number two, and we just ask it, well, maybe I'm ready. Maybe I'll give this thing a try. What, what can I do? And we finally get this diligence, this perseverance to just try to do it the best we know how. You know, I remember my dad telling me one time, I was arguing with him about what somebody should have done to win a, to win a football game. You know, and I said, uh, well, they, you know, if I'd have done that, I would have done this. Or if I'd have been over here, I could have done that. And he said, let me tell you something. You're going to sit there and tell anybody you would have done something or you could have done something. And instead of running your mouth, you should have done something. That's where life change takes place. And here's a challenge. Does anybody notice that our culture is in chaos? 
So what we're trying to do here at Faith Church uh, as leaders and as a, as a church body is apply what we do. And we're trying to find a way to minister within this madness. Because here's the thing, guys. We're somebody's only hope. There's a set of eyes out there that you're going to encounter. You're their only hope. So as a church, yeah, we give help to the hurting. Uh, we, we, we try to help as many people as we can. We try to counsel. We try to lead them to life change. But here's the best way that we all can make this happen. It's when you get engaged in the process. It's when you get involved, when you do the little things well, and you just love on people. Because again, every set of eyes we encounter, Jesus died for. And here at Faith Church, we do. We want to create an environment, not just hear about lives being changed, but to be an active part in that and actually participate in all of those lives being changed. Because here's what happens. I mean, Pastor Steve is one of the best communicators I've ever been around. But his message starts in the parking lot. I mean, his message starts when somebody pulls up on campus and there's somebody out there to greet them and just have a, a shake a hand, have a friendly word. And then they come into the door and we've got somebody there smiling, saying, so great to have you here. We hope you have a great experience at Faith Church. Let us know if there's anything we can do to help you while you're here. We create an environment. And sometimes you've got to step out. You know, you remember that time when, what, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, when you had to, to step out and, and give that, you know, get up and recite a poem, give up and give that report in front of the class. Anybody, anybody have to do that? You know, I remember we were in sixth grade and we were going to have this class play and uh, we'd been doing some chorus stuff and uh, I don't know, I think the teacher was here and the guy, sit, uh, he was singing beside me. Uh, she thought it was me. She said, hey, you're going you're gonna to have a solo in this, in this thing. I was like, until the day it came about. And I thought, oh my goodness, I should not have done this. I was so nervous. And I was literally just sweating. And when I really actually just tried to sing, there was a sound came out. <laughs> it was kind of the same. It was the same sound that when I first met Archie uh, about 15 years ago, we were over at a little uh, Baptist Church, and man, we were running around, we were excited, we were doing everything, man, we were doing everything, and Archie was telling a group the other day about us, first encounter, first meeting, he said, you know, I went over to this little church, and man, Ronnie was there, he was running around, said, you know, he was, uh, he was trying to sing, and he couldn't, and he shouldn't, but you know, I've always had to learn the hard way, and, and so there are tasks that, that that, you know, we may take on that we don't, but to be convinced, to really dive in, to really get it, to really ask that question, what can I do? What can I do? How can I make a difference? How can I make my life matter? Well, you've got to go for it. you just got to step out and do the best you can. So here's where I always end up and land. Just me being selfish and hard-hearted. So pull in, I would say, uh, what's in it for me? That's not a bad question to ask God. Matter of fact, it's a great question to ask God. Because any time we go to Him with a question, He's always got an answer. And here's what He tells us in Proverbs. He said, I love those 
who love me. Now, that's a big step if you're just getting in. But this is truth. This is wisdom. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. I mean, that sounds good. I mean, that sounds kind of warm and fuzzy. But it still doesn't tell me what's in it for me. So I just kept digging and I kept looking. I, I found in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 this verse. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And what does he give me? And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now that stirred my interest. You know, God, if I come to you with all this baggage, that's what I found was available through his word, through his life. That's what I found out was all the troubles, all the heartaches, God always had an answer. Because it's not my nature to want to go after God, to not really want to go after anything other than what I want. I mean, my rewards, my treasures, live a life my way until all that was gone. Until it was gone. And I had nowhere else to go. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's had to live that out. You know, I didn't finish my story uh, about being in rehab. This lady really ticked me off by telling me that. And here's what I found out for some of us to step out, to ever go for it. We've got to be challenged. And that day when she looked me in the eye and said, you don't have what it takes, it offended me. Something inside really stirred up. And I went back the next day. I said, I thought about what you told me. I said, I'm going to make it. She said, there's a hundred people that come in this rehab center. Only three will make it. And you don't have what it takes. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bet you a hundred dollar bill that I make it clean a year. She said, I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. So about a week, two weeks in, I thought, what have I done? There's no way I'm going to make it. What's amazing in this thing was that God just started putting um, different people in my life, taking me back to when I was a kid, taking me back to good days, taking me back to what I'd learned. The one thing I remembered was those bars. I remember being 17 years old, innocent, and figuring out, man, if I had the heart just to go for it, to give it the best effort I could, that's all that was ever wanted. So people just started showing up in my life and depositing things. And you know what? 30 years old, I really didn't have much to lose. My wife taught me into going to church, and I had a guy get up and he talked about what it really meant to gain life, to make our life matter. And he, you know, Jesus always talked in stories, and uh, he, he preached from Luke chapter 9. And here's what I finally figured out if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yourself, you're lost or you're destroyed?
Man, that just resonated so deep. I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to give up. I didn't know how to give, to give my life away and talk to another guy that come up and he could tell I was really struggling, really under conviction. He said, "Let me tell you something, Ronnie. We try to do so much. We try to be so special. We want to make a a name. We want our life to matter." Just got to give it away. It's just not worth it. Even if you gain all that, you're not going to be happy. There's going to be something missing. And he said, here's what I want you to know. He said, you got one life to live. And you can spend it any way you want. But you can only spend it once. And I thought about that and, and I thought about life and you know, God makes us special. It's kind of like a $100 bill. It's pretty special. Man, I spent a lot of years trying to make as many of these as I could. I thought that would really make me somebody. It gave me nothing. That's how God makes us, just like that. And all of a sudden, man, we, we get folded up. Stuff starts getting in our way. And we make bad decisions. We get all wrinkled up. and Somebody just stomps on us. And that hole with that brand new crisp $100 bill just... It ends up like this. It's messed up. But it's still a $100 bill. And you know, God sees us like this. I mean, yeah, this thing looks pretty bad. But, uh, I mean, who, who, who still would want this? Who, I mean, would you still want this? You can have it. me 30 years to learn how to give away. I mean, I was just like that bill. And I was totally wrecked, totally messed up. And all I had to do was just step out. Say, God, this is all I got. I'm a mess. And he said, I still see you like this. I still see you like this. So as I get ready to shut this thing down, that's all I want you to remember when you leave here. Gosh, if you want to make a difference, if you really want to make your life matter, you got one shot at it. I mean, God gives us one life, and we can spend it any way we want. We can only spend it once. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for opportunities like today. Lord, we can come in and worship you. Sing songs of praise to you, Lord. God, I'm honored that uh, you can take someone like me and just allow me to share what, what a great life you've given me. And Lord, I'm always reminded how gosh, I just almost missed out. You know, and there may be folks all over this building. You know, if you're needing a second, third, fourth, fifth chance, it's like that could be me today. 
I'd just like to pray with you, pray for you. If you just lift a hand real quick. If that's you, all over this building, you want to make your life matter. Thank you. So, Father, we pray, Lord, God, that we will give you our life, lose our life so you can save us, God. We believe, God, that you're a great God. You are a rewarder of those who come after you. So, God, that's my prayer. God, just show us how to seek you every day in all that we do. Father, it's great to be with you here today. It's great to be among your people. I just pray for a blessed week for everybody here, God. We celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, If you're new here, first, second time, please go to our Connect room. People would love to meet you. Put a gift in your hand. If you've got prayer needs, I'll be down here. But we also got our prayer and care room over there. Man, just have a great 4th of July week. And be here next week as we finish up week.